I'm Brad. And I'm Alyssa. Welcome to Strange History, the podcast where we talk about, you guessed it, strange history. Today, get your garlic, get your silver, your wooden steaks ready, as we're going to be taking a dive into... Vampires! Not the sparkly ones that Alyssa's obsessed with. The original vampire, Dracula. But before we talk about him, we have to talk about the history a bit. Who inspired Count Dracula? Because this is a history podcast. We're not getting monster stories unless we're talking about the history of the monsters too. This is our first episode in our spooky history. Can we call it that? Sure. Uh, either way, this is sort of how October will go. A man or a woman and a monster, but they'll be separate episodes instead of combined the way that this one is. So grab a blanket and a crucifix and let's begin. Episode 32, Absolutely Batty. National heroes are such a fun subject. You've got Mad Jack Churchill from England, who stormed the beaches at Normandy with a sword playing bagpipes. You've got Davy Crockett, the famous hunter, frontiersman, defender of the Alamo. But most national heroes are known only in their specific nations. The few Dutch listeners we have would know the story of Daniel Boone about as much as our Canadian friends would know the story of Oda Namungo from Japan. This is the way things are. We don't claim to know the lives of all famous people, nor their stories and endeavors, but almost everyone knows the story of one of the most famous national heroes. He was a hero. I know nothing about this. He is actually considered the most successful ruler of this country and its first national hero. Okay. No, this man is not a scientist who cured a disease. He's not a famous scholar or a politician. At the end of the day, he's a soldier, a son, a ruler. He was also a man of many many names, and each one you will know for different reasons, as it is said. In terms of national heroes, those of Romania are names that are surprisingly common around the world today. But we will get to this famous ruler soon. First, we should start at the start, as the best stories of us are often told. Sometime before 1395, which is such an amazing time frame, love that it's just sometime before, <laughs> a baby would be born. His father was Mercia I, Prince of Wallachia. But as an illegitimate son, he had no claim on his father's throne. As punishment, I guess, he was sent to the court of Sigmundson of Luxembourg, where he would live through his childhood. Sigmundson took pity on the small green-eyed boy and proclaimed him Vlad II of Wallachia, and would later introduce him into the Order of the Dragon in the year 1431. So that's not just a TV show? It is not. The Order of the Dragon was basically a knighthood for high-ranking members of society, including nobles and monarchs. It was the brainchild of Sigmundson himself years prior in 1408. He had organized his small club in the order of various Crusader-era militaristic orders. His little boy's club would lose traction after his death, but its coat of arms would still be seen on many nobles far into the future. 
Examples of names you could find on the roster of the Order of the Dragon include Vlad II, Prince of Wallachia, Vlad III, Prince of Wallachia, Henry V, King of England, Ferdinand I, King of Hungary, various members of the Bathory family, including the ever-charming Countess Elizabeth. After his induction into the Order, Vlad II would earn his nickname of Dragul, or the Dragon which is also the name of someone I play Fortnite with. His full and official title would be Vlad to Dracul. As time would pass, Vlad would have many sons, including his second and most famous child, Vlad III. His kids did not inherit the name of Dracul because it would be silly to call them something like Vlad's son or Dracul's son. So another more Romanian name was needed. As his second son was born and lifted as a babe to the heavens, a name would be bestowed upon him that went down in history. The king of cryptids, the first and last, and the very spawn of the unholy, Vlad Tepes, also known as Vlad Dracula. Did you know that another translation of Dracula allegedly is Bloodsucker? I did not. Yes, I read that while I was doing my part. Interesting. Yes. Did you know that it's actually a, uh, it's like a title now? You can still find people called Dracul, which I love. Good. No, yeah, good for them. In November of 1447, Vlad II and his oldest son would be attacked and killed, and Vlad Dracula would be claimed to be the heir to the princedom of Wallachia, but fate would have other plans. His cousin, Vladislav II, would be named the leader of Wallachia by John Hunyandi, the man who had just killed Vlad's father and brother. <laughs> Vlad would march into Wallachia in October 1448 and take over the country, ruling from his seat of power until Vladislav returned and forced Vlad to retreat to the safety of the Ottoman Empire. He would flee on December 7th, 1448, after less than two months of ruling his country. Me too. <laughs> this would not be the last time he would claim his throne. Exile was incredibly boring. So boring, in fact, the man does not even come back up in history until 1452, after the nobles had denied him a place to stay on multiple occasions, Tepes decided that it was time to just go back home in force. In April, July, or August of 1456, Vlad would finally return home to Wallachia and start a bloody civil war campaign on his path back to his throne. I love that this timeline is just like, Sometime here, maybe. I don't know. Maybe it was this month. Sorry, I'm trying not to move oh, as much, fine. but the cat was making a noise and I didn't want it to be in the background. But it's okay. Did you get a cute picture of Slug? I did. We're at my mom's again. Hi, Mom. Oh, my goodness. He's so cute. Which I haven't been saying in the episodes. Oh, my God. Shame. I was supposed to say hi, Mom, in all the episodes of season three. <laughs> I'm going to go back and add it in there. Vladislav II would fall in combat, and Vlad Tepes would be now unopposed. In September, he concreted his rule by sending letters to all the nobles, informing them of his authority. So he was basically just like, I'm the captain now. Ugh. And that was the end of it. Vlad's mental state began to literally fall apart around this time as well as he started to mass execute anyone he thought was involved in the murders of his father and brother or who did not immediately and fully support him. Numbers are not known, but it is estimated that nearly 80,000 people 
would be killed by Dracula over the next few years. 20,000 of those would be killed by summary execution alone. Despite his ruthlessness, believe it or not, he was actually a very good ruler, and he would revolutionize and modernize the country very quickly by means both political, militarily, and monetarily. Only two of the previous noble families, the Dobrieta and the Avona, would be allowed to keep their previous lands and titles under the rule of the Son of the Dragon, which sounds very much so like an episode of Game of Thrones. Vlad would make his customary tributes to the Sultan, and after his death, Ladisulis Hunyadi would become the new Captain General of Hungary, the son of the man who had previously killed Drak's family. This is important to remember, because Hunyandi hated the Vlad family and would almost instantly accuse Vlad Dracula of having no desire to be faithful to the King of Hungary and would send letters to all of his enemies, trying to convince them to rally against Vlad outright and support Dan III as the real heir to the Wallachian people. The King of Hungary would eventually have Hunyandi executed, getting his family and friends to host a full revolt against the Hungarian throne. Vlad would take full advantage of this chaos by allowing him by allying himself with Stephen of Moldova to secure that throne. He would raid several villages around Transylvania, Brasov, and Sibiu, and according to the Germanic tribes in the area, he and his troops would kidnap many men, women, and children. He would return them to Wallachia and would have them impaled on wooden stakes around his property. This is believed to be the first instance of him doing so and one of the many reasons why he would eventually go on to earn the nickname Vlad the Impaler. Hunyandi's younger brother Matthias would be elected King of Hungary in late January 1458 and ordered the nobles to just get along with Dracula. He had already styled himself as the leader of all of Wallachia, which was absolutely true. He had taken possession of each and every fiefdom around Wallachia and was considered by her people to be their real ruler even if they were supposed to be under the rule of the Hungarian king. A few trade disputes would pop up between Vlad and the Saxons when he refused to allow traders into Wallachia, forcing them to sell their goods at all of the borders for quote-unquote fair prices. Oh no. <laughs> In May of that year, tensions would continue to rise as the result of the trade embargo. Can you imagine getting mad that someone's like just making you not be a piece of shit? Right. This would come to a head in January of 1459, when a group of Saxon merchants reclaimed and then refused to repay an order of steel that had been shipped into the country. So basically, they just sold, stole some guy's steel and then refused to pay him for it. Vlad was a reasonable man, and he ransacked and tortured the traders after kidnapping, kidnapping them, taking them deep into Wallachia, and impaling and burning every single one of them. Uh, 41 people, including women and children, would lose their lives during this little torture session, further adding to the bodies previously collected by Vlad. Outraged at this news, King Matthias would send Dan III into Wallachia with orders to kill Vlad by any means necessary, and he was named the true leader of Wallachia. Dan III would happily agree to kill the evil man and would break the borders of Wallachia a year later in 1460. Months of warfare would lead to the defeat and execution of Dan III in April of that year at the hands of Dracula himself. As punishment for standing against him, Vlad would invade Transylvania a second time, burning and destroying the suburbs of the city of Breslau. 
to solidify his stance as he who shall not be fucked with, Vlad the Impaler would, as his name suggests, order the impalement of every man, woman, and child who lived in the city, or who were captured over the previous few months, further adding to the death toll of his brutal reign. In August, he would decide to further punish the supporters of the late Dan III by ordering attacks on villages and Almans. While off warring and running around during this year's long revenge plot, something important was forgotten. After what is suggested to be three years of not sending tributes to the Sultan, eventually the Ottoman Empire would become upset at Vlad Tepes for his lack of support and faith in their cause. An envoy would be sent to Alakia to inform an envoy would be sent to Alakia to inform Vlad to come to Constantinople to plead his case and explain why he hadn't been sending money. And Vlad would find out from a spy that there were orders to capture and execute him as soon as he crossed the Danube River. After learning about the trickery of the Sultan, Vlad would have his messengers captured and executed. After their death, he and his troops would break into the fortress of, I cannot pronounce this word, Kairuku? Sure. And would send a letter of military action to King Matthias, informing him of the war and the deaths of 2,800 people so far. I am so sorry. 23,800 people so far. Vlad begged for military aid, citing this as a holy war between Christendom and Islam, and tensions had already unfortunately became so high that the request would simply be ignored. The Sultan, Mehmed II, would raise an army of 150,000 to march on Vlad and Wallachia, and would publicly declare his support for Radu. Vlad's brother as the true ruler of the country. The only army larger than this one in the entire world was that that occupied Constantinople, and the public declaration was proved that this was nothing more than removing Vlad as ruler than anything else. Outnumbered and outgunned by the 4th of June, 1462, Vlad would adopt a scorched earth policy as his troops retreated towards Targovista. Around the 16th of the month, Vlad and several of his troops raided the Sultan's camp in an attempt to capture or kill him, as this would break the morale of the Ottoman troops. The attack would fail, he burned down the wrong tents, and Vlad and his troops would retreat yet again, ravishing Targovishta in their retreat. The Sultan would enter the city at the end of the month and find a horrifying sight. 20,000 men, women, and children dead impaled on spikes, babies lashed to their dead mothers, and birds nesting in their entrails. The Sultan was thirsty, though. His troops hadn't had any water for months, and it was a very hot summer, so they just retreated and left Wallachia. Vlad would flee the field with his remaining troops, and twice over the next few months would come face to face against his brother Radu. Vlad would win each and every engagement, but every time he won, more and more of his own troops would defect to his brother's side, eventually forcing him to organize a full retreat to the Carpathian Mountains in an attempt to convince King Matthias to give him support to reclaim his throne. Matthias's own council would suggest supporting Radu due to the violent actions of his older brother, and all noble families who supported Radu would have their names and privileges reinstated as a result. Commercial trade would resume, and a sum of 15,000 ducats would be paid to each family as a form of compensation for their lost wages. Ducats were phased out mostly in the early 1700s, so I had to work really, really hard for this adjustment. A ducat 
was 99.57% pure gold, each coin weighing in at three and a half ounces. If USD inflation and current prices of gold are used to make it a sum in standard USD, then one Ducat coin today would be worth $138.72, which means that each family that supported Radu would get a total sum of $2,080,800 as a reward. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. Could you imagine just like voting for the president? Because that's basically all this was and somebody being like, yeah, here's two mil. I would be continuing to vote. Yes, um. <laughs> same. Matthias would organize a meeting with Vlad and the talks would last for several weeks. However, Matthias had refused to mobilize against the Ottoman Empire. As peace talks broke down, he would order one of his knights to capture Vlad near the city of Rukar. In an attempt to explain the imprisonment of Dracula to Pope Pius II, Matthias would produce three letters said to be wrote by Vlad Dracula himself, and all addressed to different members of the royalty, begging for support and offering his own if they were to support him. Despite the poor writership, the bad wording, bad speech, or bad penmanship, clumsy speech, and meekness of the letters, it is often believed that they were forged to be used against Vlad. And even the court historian of King Matthias could not exactly tell you why Dracula would be arrested. But he would be imprisoned in the city of Belgrade for the following 14 years, only to be released after his conversion to, you guessed it, Catholicism! <laughs> I thought we were going to get away with it. Hey, Pope, let me out. It's also probably the fact that Matthias had named him the true ruler of Wallachia and released him to return home. That probably wasn't that bad either. Vlad would buy a small house in the city of Pest and there would execute the commander of a group of soldiers for unlawfully breaking into his home while chasing a thief. Which, castle doctrine in the 1400s? Well, I mean... Makes sense. He would relocate to, the city, to Transylvania in 1475 and a house would be purchased for him. His bank account would be filled by a royal order, and all noble families in the city were to pay him a tribute of 200 florin. So, let's do some more money conversion. A golden florin was 3.5 grams of minted, of minted gold, and would carry a modern USD of around 140 bucks. So, if my math is correct, that should mean that Vlad was awarded $28,000 from each family. How cute. How many families were there, do it you know? did not say. So it could just be $28,000, but it could be much, much more. Right. It could be 100 families. And right. It could be 2 million. Right. Again. In 1476, after, again, just disappearing from history books, Vlad and members of the Serbian army would attack Ottoman fortresses at Srebrenica between March and May. During this campaign, referred to as the Bosnian Campaign, Vlad would resort to his old tactics of mass executions, drawing yet again the ire of the people. Mehmed II, the Sultan, would order a full war against Vlad, his friends, and for some reason just the entire country of Moldova. Well, it's kind of small. Vlad Tepesh and a man named Stefan Bathory would force the sieges of the Ottomans to a full stop due to the unexpected alliance of Hungary and Vlad who would go on to be crowned ruler of Wallachia again in November 26 of 1476, after he and Bathory successfully reclaimed the city of Targovishta from the Ottoman Empire. Vlad the Impaler's third reign would be very short-lived, though. He and his retinue of 2,000 would be ambushed and massacred to the man by a group of 4,000 Turks. 
There are, however, several different accounts as to exactly how Vlad himself had been killed. One report stated that he was attacked by an assassin in his camp. Another report from Russia, of all places, would state that Vlad had dressed up as a Turkish soldier and his troops attacked him, thinking that he was just a random soldier. Um, can you imagine? And he's like screaming, no guys, it's me, it's me! <laughs> I'm Vlad! Regardless, though, his body would be completely and totally defiled, his head removed and sent back to Mehmed II and placed on a high stake in the city of Constantinople. According to locals to this very day, dun, 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 the damaged headless corpse was found deep in the marshlands by local monks. It's interesting that they cut his head off. It really is. Because I'll, I'll bring that back up. Cool. To add to the mystery, nobody knows where the hell he's buried. Like, there's no grave at all. There have been numerous ideas so far, but no official remains have ever been found. The most commonly agreed-upon place of burial is a church that he helped establish near the battlefield in which he was killed, which super convenient. And thus the story of the tyrant known as Vlad III, Tepesh, the son of the dragon, the Dracula, the Impaler, ends. Since we've talked about the man, and those leaves are starting to fall outside. I like that you looked out. And the pumpkin spice is flowing. <laughs> I think we should change things up now. Our history is important. It makes us, us. But so do our stories, books, and tales, both orally and written. Who would we be without the tales of Jason and the Argonauts? Without the Odyssey? Or the many stories told to us by Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm? There is no tale better, nothing more terrifying, and nothing more prevalent in modern culture than the stories of vampires. Before I talk about the monster, I want to talk about the man behind the monster. Abraham Stoker was born on November 8th, 1847 in Dublin, Ireland. Bram was actually a really sick child who spent a lot of time in bed being cared for by his mother. No one knew what he had. It's unnamed and unknown, but eventually he grew out of it, becoming a pretty good athlete playing soccer or football, for those of you across the pond, at Trinity College from 1864 until 1870, uh, getting his bachelor's degree in mathematics. Could you imagine if he wasn't actually sick and he was just lazy? Me too. Same. And then he got built enough. He was like, yeah, my friends are playing soccer. I might as I'm sorry, football. Might as well, you know. I'll just do what they do. Yeah. His mom taking care of him was just tomato soup and grilled cheese, nothing else. <laughs> when he was in college, he worked as a civil servant at Dublin Castle, and he actually continued to do so for 10 years, even after graduating. He also worked part-time as a freelance journalist and a drama critic for the Dublin Evening Mail. In 1876, Stoker met Sir Henry Irving, who was a famous actor and very much an idol of Stoker's, and they became friends shortly thereafter even though no one has any idea how they met and how they became friends. But he started working for him um, in 1878, which is the very same year that Stoker married Florence Balcon, who was an expiring, expiring actress. They'd met two years before. Yeah. The same year that, that he, he met, met Irving. Yeah. <laughs> and then after the wedding, a few days later, they moved to London to be with Irving. This is... 
an 1870s love triangle. That's all this is. Okay, that's, you know what? I didn't accept it the first time, I'll accept it the second time. You better. It makes sense. (laughs) Reading it now, putting the dates together, it it makes sense. Maybe that's how they met. Maybe she's how they met. Maybe. She might have been. Anyway, in 1879, Stoker published his first book, The Duties of Clerks of Petty Sessions in Ireland, which is a handbook in legal administration. So boring. Very much so. But that same year, in December, um, they welcomed their son, Noel, into the world. And I love that. I think that's such a cute name. I'd name a kid Noel. But then I think of Noel. I can't think of his last name right now. The comedian. Do you know who I'm talking about? Mm, Not off the top of my head. Oh, my God. Have you ever seen the British Bake Off? No. He's one of the hosts. The Mighty Boosh. Old Greg. Do you know any of that? I do know Old Greg. That's him. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Enough said. So when I think of Noel, that's what I think of. Okay. He's old Greg. Anyway, while they were living in London, Stoker wrote a lot of novels and short stories, and he started getting more into fiction, and then he published his first fiction romance novel, The Snake's Past, in The Snake's Pass in 1890. Seven years later, he would go on to write his biggest hit, Dracula. So legal handbook to smut mm-hmm. to twilight with less plot points no dracula has a bit much but there's a larger plot here at I'm play like listening to the synopsis from the last time i know and now i have to summarize again if i have to do this a third time we're not posting this okay <laughs> i'm done it'll just be about vlad and okay. that's it <laughs> okay okay so, if you haven't read it, which I haven't, and I highly doubt I'm going to because I start books and I don't finish them, uh, Dracula is more like a journal style. So, it's different perspectives from different characters as sort of journal and diary entries, as well as like newspaper articles. Frankenstein is by Mary Shelley is written in sort of a similar manner. So, we have a few different characters, mostly the main ones, Jonathan Harkin, Wilhelmina, also known as Mina, Murray who eventually becomes a Harker. She can get married to Jonathan. Dr. John Jack Seward and Lucy Westerna. So Lucy and Mina are BFFs. Jonathan Harker um, is like a real estate guy. It's the best way I can explain it. He goes to this castle to sort of assess it in a real estate way um, and meets Count Dracula. And he's like, mm. You're a little off. So he's kind of uncomfortable. He stays there for quite a long time. And he's, you know, writing letters back to his wife and stuff, or fiance at the time. And she's a bit concerned. Eventually, Jonathan gets attacked by these three female vampires who are living in this castle. And Dracula saves him and is like, no, he's mine. You can't have him. And they're like, fine. Um, And he's like, oh, my God, you're a vampire? Yeah. So he goes home. Eventually him and Mina get married and um, Dracula is sort of perusing around England causing havoc. Some of that havoc goes to Lucy Westerna. She happened to be Mina's best friend. And Lucy was found uh, really, really ill with two little bite marks on her neck. Just two little little red dots right there. So that's where we get that from. Forgot that in the first part. They take her back home and take care of her like she's sick. They, Dr. Seward and another gentleman who were like 
potential lovers of Lucy who she picks somebody else over. Um, take care of her, fill her room with garlic, and she starts to get better. Lucy's mom is like, great, my daughter's getting better. And so she takes all the garlic out, which just makes her worse. Eventually, she gets attacked by a wolf or a dog or something and dies. Um, but she doesn't die. She comes back as a vampire. Dr. Seward finds her in a cemetery feeding on somebody and is like, oh, she's a vampire. And then he gets everybody together and he's like, come to the cemetery, see that she's a vampire. And they do. And they're like, oh, we got to kill her. So they stake her heart, chop her head off, and fill her mouth with garlic. They realize that Dracula is the issue, and they're like, all right, we got to get rid of him. So they all sort of band together. Mina eventually gets bitten, and she gets killed by this group. Um, Jonathan Harker kills Dracula and ends up dying himself in the process with Dr. Seward and the other gentlemen sort of moving on and living on with their lives after Dracula's gone. And that's a basic summary. Probably much worse than the first time. So before he began writing Dracula, he was actually visiting, Stoker was visiting a small town called Whitby in England in 1980, in 1890. This is where he met our man Vanbury, who was a Hungarian Jewish traveler and writer who told Stoker all these dark tales of the Carpathian Mountains, which is where Vlad eventually went. Um, but we don't know if that's true. According to Dr. Elizabeth Miller, a main authority and professor on Bram Stoker and his life, this meeting didn't happen this way. She states that Vanbury spoke very loudly against Russian aggression, but he never actually mentioned the evil, terrible tales of Dracula. Stoker spent a large majority of his life actually researching vampire stories, ancient lore, civil and East European folklore as well. In 1972, more rumors of Dracula's origins were sort of spread in a book called In Search of Dracula by Radu Florskew and Raymond McNally. They claim that the count in Stoker's novels is based on Vlad III Dracula. But Dr. Miller says that Stoker just borrowed the name and was very much influenced by random pieces of information in uh, Romanian history. I think that maybe he was inspired by Dracula. At least or Vlad, this is what I'm going to keep telling myself, because the idea of this very famous, terrifying monster to be based on a very famous, terrifying man, I think makes it much scarier. I agree. So I'm going to keep my belief of Dracula was based on Vlad, because that's what I was taught in school. <laughs> and school would never lie. No. Bram Stoker died on April 20th, 1912, with his death certificate stating that he died from locomotor atasia, which is allegedly a reference to syphilis. He was cremated, and his ashes remain on display at the Golders Green Crematorium. His son's Noel's ashes are also in the same urn, while his wife's had been spread at the Gardens of Rest. Harmon, I just love your mustache, man. It is so defined. You look so mature with that. Thanks, man. Upkeep is a bit of a struggle, but I do it for the vibes. Upkeep? You know, I actually have some stuff that can help with that. Have you heard of the beard struggle? Oh, you mean the thing I deal with every day? No, the company. The Beard that... Struggle is a company dedicated to the growth and preservation of beards. 
They offer a long range of products from oils and bombs to butters, shampoos, heated brushes, and even gross thought ones. It wasn't in the script, but that does sound wonderful, but... Conditions, rollers, cologne! Brad, I... Go check out all the cool stuff over on thebeardstruggle.com and use coupon code STRANGE at checkout for 15% off your order. 15% with the code STRANGE? <laughs> I do like saving. Once more, that's thebeardstruggle.com and apply coupon code STRANGE at checkout for 15%. That's code STRANGE. Build yourself a better, stronger beard. Ask anyone you know and everyone will have a different vampire preference. Bram Stoker didn't invent vampires. Their lore has been around for centuries. He did, however, take his own spin on their nature and brought it into modern culture. Garlic, crucifixes, running water strike fear in the undead. They can't see their reflections in mirrors and they turn into bats. This was a terrifying beast, something to be defeated, something that just wants to feed, right? Now we have a lot of different vampires out here in modern media. They've been brought to quote-unquote life by Stephen King and Rice and even George R.R. R. Martin, which I did not know. Which is amazing to me. <laughs> I need to find his vampire book. I hope it reads like Game of it Thrones. It was on a list of like good vampire books to read, so amazing. allegedly it's, it's pretty good. He was also the writer for Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I know. Yeah. I vaguely know stuff. Shouting out my boy George. <laughs> Finish the series. We, of course, also have all of the young adult adaptations of vampires. Of course. I had to talk about it. I had to bring it up. The famed Twilight vampires who sparkle like diamonds in sunlight, have marble-hard skin, and the ability to survive solely on animal blood, with their eyes changing color to match what kind of blood they drink. Wait, what? Yeah, did you not know that? No. Yeah, so the Cullens all have golden yellow eyes because they drink animal. I don't like that you're, can you sit? No, I can't. They all have golden yellow eyes because they drink animal blood. But if a vampire drinks human blood, their eyes are red. And then if, if, if they're thirsty, their eyes are black. Did you not know that? No, I did not know that. <laughs> they explain it in the movie. I know you've seen them. I've seen all of them and I've read the books, but I didn't, I don't yeah, that's like a key plot point. I've not touched them since I was in middle school, so. Can't relate. I'm in the Twilight Renaissance. I reread Twilight in 2020, started New Moon, and was like, ugh. And then started fan fiction and haven't stopped since. There's also the Vampire Diaries, uh, Vampires, which. I've never seen the show. I've never read the books. I've seen like the first episode. One of my friends made me watch it. It's not for me. Um, but they have this like jewelry that they've had. The, some of the vampires in this series that they've had specially made for them by I guess a witch or something. I don't know. That keeps them safe from the sun. So if they're wearing that piece of jewelry, they can just go out and look like people. Impressive. Very much so. You got Blade. Blade has vampires. Yes. Skyrim has vampires. Did not know that. You didn't know that. I played like an hour of the game, and an hour is just you sitting in that fucking cart. Really You're is. awake finally, whatever the fuck they say to you. Yeah, there's. Uh, I made a Khajiit and I moved on with my life. Yeah, there's like two different subspecies of vampires in the Elder Scrolls series. Hmm. 
one that can infect you with vampirism by biting and one just by being around them. There's like a whole lore. Like just being in the same room. Yeah. <laughs> There's like a whole lore behind how you become a vampire and how you cure it. It's, it is super in depth actually. That's actually really kind of funny. Um, in the Crave series by Tracy Wolf, it's a, it's a young adult series. Um, their vampires can either be made or be born. And they just drink blood. In The Sims, we're talking about video games. In The Sims, they have vampires. I'm talking about Sims 4 because I know the other ones are a bit different. They don't drink blood. They drink plasma. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I think it's just because it's a game that's more like, it's not really kid-friendly, but more like family-friendly. So they drink plasma. And you can either drink it out of another sim or grow plasma fruits and like make juice pouches of plasma. That's a <laughs> yeah. You know, in Hotel Transylvania, Vlad <laughs> owns his own hotel. We completely forgot Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's in the damn name. Oh shit! I never watched it. It's not part of my childhood. I never watched I was it either. A bit young. Also, True Blood, I wrote this down, True Blood, they have vampires burn in the sun, can be killed with a stake, and they drink um, synthetic blood. We forgot about the homie, holy yeah. shit, Nosferatu. Nosferatu. There's sequels to Dracula? I guess. Okay. Does that mean he lived? Huh? It says Dracula's daughter. Forgot that Christopher Lee was Dracula. <laughs> I still can't believe we forgot Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, I, I also am kind of. Requiem for a Vampire, I knew about that one. Uh, let's see. Blade, we talked about Blade. Yeah. Um, the Cool Vampires from Skyrim, the Elder Scrolls series. There's two different ways to get it. I mentioned Anne Rice. Of course, she did an interview with a vampire. Underworld. I think that's the one I was thinking of. Where they have all the teeth. Um, Wolf Lycan's fighting vampires. Yeah. And, the, and their vampires have all the teeth, I think. 30 Days of Night about the town in Alaska. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I Am Legend has vampires in it? I guess. I love, I love it <laughs> at the bottom of this article that you have pulled up, huh, then there are the Twilight Saga films beginning in 2008. <laughs> like, damn. I'm sorry, fuck. What We Do in the Shadows. I literally watched that show. I also watched that show. It's so funny. There's Twilight references in that. When they played baseball in that one episode and they were yeah. watching the vampire baseball scene. Castlevania, we talked about Castlevania. Oh, there's vampires in Yu-Gi-Oh? I guess so. I didn't know that. I know there are some in uh, Dungeons and Dragons. There's literally the obviously, Curse of Strong. Yeah, obviously magic would happen as well. Right. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, I didn't know that had vampire, vampires in it. I don't watch anime. I watch a few. I watch... talking about him no he's um, an abusive piece of shit my chemical romance has a song called vampires will never hurt you which i feel is a lie 
Fall Out Boy and Falling in Reverse both have vampires. Yeah. Buzz Lightyear of Star Command has a vampire? An energy vampire named Nose4A2. <laughs> That's fantastic. Being, Created by Zerg. Being Human and the Originals. Blood, Vampire Diaries, yeah, the originals, like you just said. American Horror Story Hotel, hello, Lady Gaga's a vampire. This is amazing. Vampirina, which is a children's show. We also mentioned uh, Monster High. We did, we did. Dracula, Dracula's daughter. Apparently uh, Gaia Online. Supernatural, duh, we didn't mention that. The Witcher, they're in The Witcher. Forgot about that. Apparently in the Hellboy comic. Oh, there's the thing I mentioned about Tolkien. There are vampires in Soul Calibur 4. Incredible. Ace Combat 6 is like a plane game where you just fly around and shoot stuff. And I was very confused why it was on this list. Just because they have a plane named Nosferatu? Yeah, I guess so. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Well, we've talked about vampires and infamy and all the different kinds. What is your favorite kind? Thinking back on it and then remembering about all the different things that we've already discussed. We've had now, to redo this. Um, I'm still I'm going to change from Van Helsing mm -hmm. because I completely and totally forgot about the... Uh, I'm drawing a total blank. Now i got to scroll back up and find it. totally forgot about the vampires that were in there. Come on. It's here somewhere. I'm not going to remember it until I see it. I'm just going to keep with the Van Helsing because I can't find what I was looking for. And I still appreciate the Van Helsing vampire because it was just terrifyingly cool. What's your favorite vampires? Oh, I can't wait to tell them all over again. Um, the House of Night series by PC and Kristen Cast, Cast, who are a mother and daughter duo. Now I never finish the series because it gets a bit ridiculous in my personal opinion, and I just have a problem with ridiculousness. I draw a line. <laughs> like the Grave series by Tracy Wolf that I believe should be in here that I mentioned, um, where vampires can either be born or created. I like that series to a point, and I just don't like, this is going to sound ridiculous, I don't like made-up words or made-up worlds, and eventually the main characters go to this, like, world of giants, and none of the words make sense, and I just don't care for that story building. Okay. But anyway, the House of Night series. So these vampires are, quote-unquote, marked. 
and you get marked at about 15, 16, and what happens is you get a crescent outline, a sapphire crescent outline on the middle of your forehead. Like you just get it one day, and you have to go to this boarding school in fucking Tulsa, Oklahoma, of all places. And as you grow older, and your crescent sort of fills in with color, and then your body gets more tattoos based on who you are as an individual, like the main character in this series is Zoe Redbird, and um, she's Cherokee, and she has a lot of influence from um, her, grandma. her grandmother, and like her lavender and lilac fields and stuff, and so her tattoos that she gets are a bit more like floral and viney, while others might be a little bit more like not so soft, if that makes any sense. They could drink blood, but they could also eat human food, and that's the kind of vampire I want to be, because there's a lot of snacks I've missed. Like what? What's your favorite snack? My favorite snack? Salt and vinegar chips. Um, like, I feel like as a vampire, with that sort of enhanced taste that I feel like you would get, I'd be like, hell yeah, these are so much better. <laughs> so I could have some chips, and then for dinner, a person. <laughs> <laughs> Cracking open a boy with the cold ones. <laughs> and then they, uh, they can go into the sun if they wear sunblock, which is strange, and they just get uncomfortable. Uh, like getting headaches or getting really tired, and but it doesn't hurt them. Same. Right. They can make themselves invisible and learn spells to cast, and they all have to follow this goddess name. Well, they don't have to, I guess. This goddess named Nyx. Like the sports ball team, the Nyx? No. Oh. Okay. I won't take my... The only basketball team that deserves anything is my basketball team. The Nugs. The, the Denver Nuggets. The Nugs. <laughs> the Den Nugs. I just love that their boarding school is in the middle of uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. One of my favorite scenes from the book series is when Zoe is in one of her very first classes, and it's a history class, and they're talking about the history of Titanic, right? Like the real thing. And her teacher starts talking about how she's like, I remember being on on the shores in New York and you know we're getting all these lifeboats and stuff coming in and Zoe's like raises her hand I'm sorry what like what are you talking about she's like I was alive in 1912 and Zoe's like fucking mind blown <laughs> didn't know these bitches could be that old because at that point she would have been over 100 right and she was like oh my god am I gonna get that old and it was just like a cute little definitely a book for 16 and up I will tell you that. I also feel like we need to just one more time discuss the links that vampires and vampirism have affected modern culture. Ranging from all the myths and legends mm -hmm. and stories of vampires to things like Twilight, Adventure Time, The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, Abraham Lincoln, goddamn vampire, <laughs> vampire hunter. hunter. And I don't understand how this man could kill vampires but still manage to get shot once and died, but that's besides the fact. They're everywhere in modern culture. There are drinks. There are cars. You know, when True Blood came out, they actually made True Blood. It wasn't synthetic blood. It was just, like, orange soda dyed red. Which makes sense. Yeah, but it was still, like... There was such a phenomenon around vampires in media with Twilight and True Blood and everything that we've talked about that I feel like we don't have anymore. Yeah. 
I feel like it's all just kind of, it's shifted. You don't really... Yeah, people aren't really talking about, there's that sort of vampire mania going on. What's the mania any, today? Anymore. The it's mania a, today? Like UFOs. I was going to say, I feel like pop culture wise, more people are interested in sort of like, we've sort of swayed from vampirism to different dystopias. Like yeah. Handmaiden's Tale, Hunger Games for that. younger kids. You know what I mean? I vibe with that. Yeah, let's go with that. I feel like we're more into dystopias right now. No, I mean it feels more accurate with the conditions of the world at large. Just a little bit. Oh, what I wouldn't do to be back in high school. <laughs> Pretend to be a vampire. I just want to reread Twilight for the first time. Sob when Bella sobs. You know what I mean? And for everyone wondering, I am a team Jacob Curly and. I won't take any questions or arguments against it. Understood. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything you'd like to add about vampires or Vlad or Dracula? Only that you are a vampire and you cannot convince me otherwise. <laughs> I have a special diet. I'm currently wearing all black. What a, what a shock. I even have the Mistress of the Dark on my shirt right now. Elvira, my queen. Hi. Thank you for interrupting. <laughs> Sorry, we're just trying to more compelling. What's your favorite vampire? What do you mean? Like your favorite kind of vampire and like all the TV shows and movies and video games. Uh what's 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 the really fucked up looking ones where they're like all snarl faced and shit? The I'm telling you, we can't think of we them. Can't think of it. Can't think of the name or mm -hmm. yeah. Dude, I yeah, I the one really fucked up face, like they look like an absolute like just a monster, not a person, a monster. With all the teeth? They have all the teeth, yeah. right? Yeah. They're all sorts of fucked. I think it's Underworld, but I'm not sure. Probably. I'm gonna... I don't know why I can't just fucking Google it. I got you. <laughs> Vampire with fucked up face. Perfect. I'll, I'll, I'll get it for y'all's way. Thanks. Yeah, they have the ugly faces and teeth. Cameo from my brother. Ugh, yeah, look at him. Oh. That's a little rough. Okay, so we have discussed Vlad Dracula, mm -hmm. Count Dracula. <laughs> At one point in time, you mentioned Count Chocula. Count Chocula, yes. So we read Bird's Favorite Food. We've discussed a variety of different types of vampires in modern culture, from movies and television shows to video games and books. What else is there? The original. The original? The only one that matters. Ah. Count Von Count. I didn't know he had a full name. You didn't know he had a full name? No, I didn't really watch Sesame Street. Oh, I grew up on that. I watched um, Clifford, mostly. Yeah. Count Von Count. Count. How fun. He's a mysterious but friendly vampire-like Muppet on Sesame Street. He's meant to parody Bella Lugosi's portrait of Count Dracula. I'm on Muppet.Fandom.com, don't you fret. He has a compulsive love of counting. And a rift. Momania, an affliction of legendary vampires. You yes. will count anything and everything regardless of size, amount, and how much annoyance he causes others around him. I forgot that that was actually a way to keep vampires away from you. <gasps> like haints, which we'll talk about later. Yes, because they have like 
OCD or something and have to obsessively compulsively count things. So you're supposed to sprinkle bird seed or rice everywhere in your house and then they have to count all of it before they can get to you. And since they can't be out when the sun is up, it gives you enough time when you go to bed for them to just be vampired away. Can I put in Count's laugh in this episode as a transition? I don't know if we legally could. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. He's so cute. He lives in an old cobweb-infested castle he shares with many bats. Sometimes he counts them. They have names. Do you want to hear some of the bats' names? Yes, tell me the bats' names. Liuba, Cynthia, Yasha, Louisville, Slugger, Luba, Grisha, Misha, Sasha, Tatiana, Louis, or Luis, um, or Louis, if I can fucking talk. <clears throat> Persephone. He has a cat named Fatida, a wolf named Yuba, and an octopus named Octavia. <laughs> I love this so much. Ugh. He has a brother. He has a, okay, he has a cousin named Countess Darling Von Darling. Who can make it rain when she counts. Yeah, he has a brother. He has an uncle Uno. I didn't know there was so much lore behind him. Behind any of the Sesame Street characters, really. Wow. I'm impressed. Me too. So, yeah. Oh, he met the Mets? <laughs> wow. Good for him. I'm so glad. On November 14th, 1988, he co-hosted the Today Show with Meryl Streep. Thanks. He was also interviewed by the BBC. <laughs> oh, Phenomenal. I love it. That's who my favorite vampire is. I have a favorite kind of vampire. My favorite vampire of all time has to be Count Von Count. You feel good? You feel confident in this? I feel good. I feel confident. I don't. <clears throat> I don't want to record any further. I don't think we'll have to. Today is <clears throat> September 30th, 2022. And we've got four different Todays in Histories for you. In 1846, anesthetic ether was used for the first time by Dr. William Morton an American dentist while extracting a tooth. Oh. And we are so thankful for <laughs> modern-day painkillers. In 1946, 22 Nazi leaders were found guilty at the Nuremberg trials and sentenced to death as they should be. In 1954, the first nuclear submarine was commissioned by the U.S. Navy, named the USS Nautilus. I figured you'd like that. I do. I was like, oh, that's kind of a boat. It is a boat. In the military. It's a ship, but same technically it's a submarine. They go under the water. Did you know there are more... What? <laughs> there are more planes in the ocean than submarines in the sky, and I'll see myself out now. <laughs> I'd hope... Well, not I'd hope so, but... <laughs> I'm over it today. I'm over it all. And in 1962... 62, Cesar Chavez founded the United Farm Workers to improve working conditions and get higher wages because these people are the ones feeding us. And they deserve rights and higher wages. Agreed. Mm -hmm. And that's Today in History, a short 
one. None of it's spooky, really. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Strange History. We hope you enjoyed the first part of our Man and Monsters series. This is pretty much what the entire month of October is going to be. We're going to be cycling back and forth between historical figures and spooky, scary demon monsters made of the imagination. Since that's all people want us to talk about. And what it's everybody tends to think we talk about anyway. And I don't know why. I because don't either. I, like, I understand you, I guess, maybe. But I'm not... <clears throat> oh my god. I'm not into monsters or cryptids or really... I may be a ghost hunter. That's a job to me, bestie. And it doesn't come home with me. And I don't know why people think that that's my... Like... Or your entire personality is like... I, I appreciate a good monster story. Yeah. But the name of this podcast is Strange History. history. <laughs> not Spooky Scary Monster History. <laughs> but we'll give you just a little bit of that. Only in October. On, only in October. You're not getting any monster stories... Once Halloween comes and goes. When I take my costume off at the last day of October, it's done. We're going to go back. We're going to talk about other cool history stuff. We're going to talk about turkeys. We're going to talk about Christmas. We're going to talk about conquistadors. We're going to talk about how Henry Ford is the man responsible for the five-day-a-week, eight-hour-a-day workday. Fuck that, man. I'm tired of it. We're going to discuss all kinds of cool stuff. Maybe not all this season, but we do have a lot of really cool stuff coming. Alyssa looks terrified now. I don't like that you spoiled the conquistadors. I'm kidding, it wasn't a spoiler. I didn't say when it was gonna be. Yeah. We can push it back to next season now. Because yeah, it's. I'm kidding. That's the episode I picked. Because and there's gonna be an episode coming out on my birthday. I gotta use my degree somehow. I would argue it will be our birthday, since we are born less than 24 hours apart. No, no. What time were you born? 9 p.m. But you were born a year before me. 24 hours and a year and a day. No, it was 364 days. Or is it 66? I don't know. You said you were born it's at... It's 64. N you said you were born at 9 p.m.? 9.20 p.m., to be specific. You're not going to believe this. No. I was born at 9 a.m. <laughs> so 12 hours. This is, this is disastrous. <laughs> this is horrifying. That's so funny. You anyway. can be... <laughs> You can be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Pods, Amazon. There's a lot of other really cool places that you can follow us on as well. I, and I totally forgot to put in the outro because this has been a shit show of an episode. To follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Strange Number Four History. Follow us latest updates and all the spooky stuff that we're getting ready to be doing. All the cool random fun facts that I post. Uh huh. And. Oh, did I interrupt you getting a chance to say No, it? that's your line. Oh, it is? You always say that. No, we take turns. You said this one last time, so that's on you. Wherever your ears are listening. <laughs> you can follow us, really, wherever your ears are listening. Thank you. And of <laughs> course, always enjoy the strange, weird things that make us us. us. <laughs>